0: Thank you for coming out. yeah. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming
1: out. Thank you for coming out. Welcome everybody. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. Uh, and I'm really excited to be here today. A really awesome guest, and I can't wait to have Convo with her. Um, five summers ago, I founded the Queer Improv Show Thank You for Coming Out, or TIFFCO. Um And it is now one of the longest-running queer improv shows in New York City. And during the show, we have a monologist share their coming out story, and then our improvisers bring that story to life. This format is a little bit different. We still have a storyteller, but instead of improvisers, we just talk about it. Uh, so I would like to introduce our first guest, and by our first guest, I mean our guest, our yes. one and only, <laughs> Jessica Henderson. She, her pronouns. Welcome. Hi. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Your voice is so lovely in the in the um, earphones. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. How are you? I'm great.
2: I'm great. It's uh, a wonderful weekend. It's bright out, which is great, but it also makes me a little nervous because I thought I was going to get some rain. I have a garden. Mm. Or I'm a community garden member, so... I'm thinking about my beans. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so what happens if it doesn't rain? You just you have to like manually water, that's the worst. I
2: need to manually <laughs> water and I have a key for a fire hydrant. It just takes a lot of like muscle power. Uh, so I need to like gather some volunteers and refill our water tanks mm. so that everybody can fill up their little um what is it called? watering, watering can. can. Yeah. yeah. And water their plots.
1: Wow. Is it is the community Oh, I I want to hear your coming out, sorry, but I also want to talk about your plants. (laughs) Okay. Um, Just don't let me forget the, like, point of this podcast. Right. Um, How far is the community garden from where you live?
2: Um, So I live on 133rd, and the community garden's on 124th.
1: Do you walk or take the train? I walk. Well, how lovely. How often do you visit your babies? I was going for a while every
2: single day from, like, 7 to 12 because the community garden has not been taken care of Mm. and it basically needed to be excavated from like rat's nests and unspread mulch and all of these things so I met this amazing woman Cecile whom I've actually been obsessed with her brownstone so it looks like it's something out of a storybook and finally one day I saw her outside taking care of her huge peonies which is my favorite flower and they're like the size of your fucking head Um, and I told her I was like oh I'm not a creep like I am looking at your garden I'm talking to you now because I actually finally got a key to the community garden up the block and her and I she'd been trying to get in there for like like 10 or 12 years but um, she could just never find anybody in the space so her and I have been sort of re, um, remodeling, I guess, wow. or cleaning it up. Um, yeah, so it's been a lot of work. Um, and I had to put some boundaries up for myself because I really dove in in a way that wasn't sustainable, which mm. I think everyone's familiar with that. Um, so I'm, tr- I'm trying to make um, very specific slow changes and I'm getting ready to draft up some bylaws so we'll have more active members equally taking responsibility
1: for the space. But I'm excited. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, do you have pictures of your garden? I mean, not right now. For yeah. Me, just like I, have, refer- I, I see. have
2: pictures I- and I post it on my Instagram story all the time. Okay. Yeah. I need
1: to check that out. You know, I don't understand the algorithm with Instagram stories because I feel like <sighs> the people's I want to see, they don't come up. And then the people's I'm like, eh. You know, know what I worms. did?
2: I mute everyone. Mm. I mute everyone except people who are gardening and like planting because that's really why like, I think that Instagram has now taken up a spot in our lives where it isn't the, like, fun self-care pastime it used to be. For me, it was fueling a lot of jealousy and, like, gossip and shit that I would normally never care about. But I would I would find myself, like, deep diving and, like, and hate searching somebody's profile. So I totally. muted everyone except, like... People who um, talk about houseplants, and then people who talk about gardening, and I just curate my own my own Instagram experience, and then I go and I search and see like what individual people are doing. Like my friends, like I'll be like, "Oh, what is Dab's doing today?" And I'll like go and look, and that's how I have figured out how to see the only the things that I like. But it took a long time. I basically I just muted everyone. I'm like,
1: "Nope, <laughs> that's really smart." Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so I encourage it. Yeah, I'm gonna do that later. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, let's let's go back to the the point of the podcast, uh, which is coming out stories. Uh, We all have multiple stories, multiple moments. So I'd love for you to share whatever you want us to know. Um, I feel (sighs) so. I have you
2: you know as queer people, I think you come out multiple times. Um, I came out to my parents, um, I think now four years ago. And for me, that moment really was I had grown out of this fear, literally fear of, of doing something deadly wrong with my life if my parents didn't approve because there was so much of me that thought there's a reason why you do what your parents say. And it's because mm-hmm. it's like a matter of life and death, right? Like parents really do know best. And I sort of came to this moment in my life when I humanized my parents, slash like killed them as parents in my mind mm. and accepted them as two people that I spent the majority of my life share, like sharing my life with them. And it became important to me that these two people that were you know, more than friends, more than family, like, created me, knew who I was. And I didn't care whether or not they uh, accepted it. Mm. And I understood that their journey was their own. And I also really, truly believe deep down that you don't really... We've created this sort of toxic narrative of, like, coming out to your parents, but they know you deeply and intimately and something my mom said to me when I came out is she was she said oh I asked you over and over again I asked you and you said no and the old me if you will would have found that very triggering like Mm -hmm. oh fuck I did something wrong I'd been lying to her for all these years but I found it comforting because I was like, "You've always known." I was like I'm gonna start going to cry. You've always known who I am, and all I'm doing now is putting a voice to something that you and Dad have always known. Because it's un- like I am your child. We are a part of each other, and um, yeah, I, I basically said I love you and I respect you too enough to, too much to lie to you about who I am, and I respectfully don't care if this makes you uncomfortable. Um, And I'm going to ask that you take your own journey with this information and educate yourself and have your own like coming out or Mm -hmm. own journey with it and not make me responsible for making it okay in your life. Mm -hmm. And um, that was the big coming out. But I had been questioning and testing and, you know, since I was in high school, Mm -hmm. Um, I always had this sort of like fear of being found out or seen whenever I would meet like a lesbian because, you know, we there's like a kinship. Um, but yeah, I never I never acted on it till I was free of fear about what my parents' response would be. Mm-hmm. And also, I was less imaginative. like I really romanticized an experience either, It being like a huge deal, and like them hugging me and crying, or me getting shunned forever. So there's a practical side too. Like I had been paying all my own bills for a really long time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and I really made sure, like, okay, I've been on my own two feet for a long time, because I was scared that they'd be like, "Don't ask me for money. Don't ask me for help ever again." Um, But you know, they weren't perfect but they weren't they were not as nearly as awful as i thought it would be that's good yeah that is really yeah and i Mm -hmm. feel i feel grateful for that Mm -hmm. really grateful and my dad went round and round and round and eventually he was like well i'm glad you told me and thank you for telling me and i was like yes and that should have been the first thing you said Mm -hmm. but you know we'll we'll work on it Um, and I, I send them books all the time. I just sent my father transgender warriors uh, and he's reading it and, you know, little by little. And, um, I think my, my mom's a different story, but I respectfully don't care. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I Mm -hmm. respectfully don't care. I'm always here. She needs to talk and I love her and she knows me. And it's what's undeniable is that I'm happier and parents can't like, you can put your ego on that and ignore it or like try to fit it into whatever narrative, but you know, like I'm not going to sit here and fight something that you know is right. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I really stand my ground on that. For sure. That is, it's such a had to have just felt so empowering Mm -hmm. just being like, I don't give a fuck what you think. I'm happier and I get on board or not, but here I am. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. I think, everyone should go through a phase of breaking up with their parents, especially if you're an artist. There's, um, yeah. And I I don't know if he, if my father ever intentionally did this, but when I was growing up a lot of the time, my mom and I had a lot of very, have and had an even tenser relationship. And I used to get so upset and be like, oh, she doesn't like me, she doesn't like what I'm doing. Like, you guys don't like what I'm doing or oh, what should I do? And my dad was always like, you know, one day we're going to die <laughs> and mm-hmm. you're going to have to be happy with your choices. And one day, it, like I, you growing up, I could give you the best of what I know, but ultimately it, it doesn't matter like what your mom thinks or what I think. And I used to find that so frustrating because mm-hmm. I wanted parents – that were like what, what I saw a lot of like my straight white friends had like over-involved mm-hmm. parents that were just like super interested in every single part of their day and like knew who all their friends were and, and I felt in a way like, oh, well as long as I have that then I know I'm doing the right thing and my dad's like, you know, I can't tell you whether or not I can tell you like my opinion but you have to decide whether or not you're doing the right thing and it was painful at the time, because I wanted more, but I, it has definitely contributed to the person that I am today mm-hmm. and my willingness to stand on my own two feet and be like, I love you, Mom and Dad, but also fuck you guys. Like, I love you, but, yeah. Or not I love you, but, but you know what I mean. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I I don't know. I feel like that that's the mark of a relationship, like a, a, a strong relationship of, right. like, I love you and fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, holding both of those things.
2: And holding them accountable to the to the people that um, I know they can they can be mm-hmm. and are and you know that that was my first stage of coming out and then recently um, I had quit my job so I had a lot of time on my hands to really think and articulate and um, like my life and my sexuality and I was just like overcome with this emotion because I felt like I had come out to my parents, but it was still this unspoken thing. Mm-hmm. And I wanted my parents to have more ownership, and my brother had come to me and expressed his seriousness and interest in, um, hopefully, his uh, <laughs> partner doesn't hear this, but in getting married and uh uh he, he was like, this is someone that I could see myself getting married to. And there was a moment of me realizing, oh, well, okay, I'm going to have to come out again because I'm going to go, if I have a date to the wedding, it's going to be a queer person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what, how my parents are going to react to that because they don't ask me about my relationships. They don't ask me about my dating life. And to be fair, they never d- they never have. Um, But I I called my dad up and I was like, I need you to understand the reality that I will probably, if I have a family and if I have a child, I will be having it with a queer person and what that looks like. And we need to talk about the damaging language that you use around my queerness. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, you say like, it's your choice. Mm -hmm. It's not a choice. Um, and you say things like, uh, it's a lifestyle. And I ended up breaking down crying, and I was like, I will not allow my child to be around people who are unwilling to change when there is information for them. So I'm letting you know now, if you wanna be in my life, if you wanna be in my family's life, these are changes you're gonna have to make and saying things like, it's a choice, it's a lifestyle, I'm not gonna allow it. And mm. you and mom are such wonderful people and I want you there and I want my children to know you, but they're not if you don't change.
1: And how, did, how was that received?
2: Um, it was actually <laughs> wonderful. He was like, you know, we love you regardless and, I I can't, I'm, your mom loves you, but I can't speak for her, but I can speak for myself. Like, I don't care. Um, I just want you to know that he's Jamaican. He's like, there are some Jamaicans that are just never going to accept it. And I was like, I don't care about them. I'm talking about you as my father. And I'm talking about you standing up and clearly claiming the fact that I'm gay. This is not going to be some unspoken thing that we don't talk about. I'm asking you, you know, if we go to this wedding to stand by my side and be like, yeah, she's gay, like these are the things that I need from you and if I don't get them, this is the bottom line. And he was very receptive and I was grateful. And I ended up saying, you know, just being honest, like I need to hear that. I need to hear you say I love you even though you're gay. I need that. I need that because everything about my life up until the moment I came out told me that those things were circumstantial mm-hmm. and I need to hear that they're uncircumstantial. Um, yeah. And it was great. It was a good talk and he's been very supportive ever since. And you know, everyone's on their own journey. Yeah. But he's been great.
1: That's really great. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all of that. Of with course. Me. Of course. Uh, with me and all of our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> me, all the people listening. <laughs> this is, listening. is recorded. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I think back coming out to my family members and just similar things that you were saying of like, like they're all just like, they're doing the best they can, but here's how it could have gone better. Yeah. (laughs) Like thank me for sharing first, first and foremost. And then, you know, one of the things that I teach in my, um, trainings a lot is, not is like putting the person who just came out to you for whatever identity in the center, and not and not making it about you. Mm-hmm. Um, which sounds like you were really like adamant about like this isn't about you right now. Yeah. this is like about me and what I'm sharing with you. Right, and I that's so awesome that you were able to do that because I I know for me. I was not able to do that and felt just like trying to take care of everybody. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I know this is hard and it's complicated and people are not going to understand it Mm -hmm. now. So I'm more so talking about my gender identity, but, Mm -hmm. um, and really having to like take a step back and actually think I need to assert myself more. Mm -hmm. I think in having this conversation (laughs) of like, I want to take care of my family. I want them to know that I'm there for them, but I also need them to do the work right? and read the books that I've given them right? and get my pronouns right. And, you right. know, everyone's trying, and it's great, and it's lovely, but I've, I've used they, them pronouns for over two years now, and it's like, well, it's like time. Yeah. You know what I mean?
2: Figure it out. Yep. Figure it the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely identify with wanting to take care of everyone around you, and that's part of the reason why it took me so long to come out is Mm -hmm. like, uh, I I felt like a lightning bolt like dropped down my spine to where I was like, I actually don't give a fuck if my parents are gonna be okay. Like I don't care and my care, my not caring is not from a lack of love, it's from a place of love. It's like I'm no longer going to lie to you about who I am
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, and I think my mom has a hard time because, again, she has such an, it's her ego, right? She had an idea of what I would be. Mm -hmm. And I continually go against that idea. And that's something that she struggles with. And her big thing too, she is a black woman, um, like child of the Civil Rights Movement, grew up in the South, her, grandmother raised her and cleaned houses like she's like why why are you always trying to make your life harder like you wanted to be an artist you want to live in New York like and now you're gay too like you're always trying to make your life harder mm-hmm. in her mind I would have gone to a state school I would have followed in her footsteps studied chemistry joined aka and had a husband money because I had a good paying job. And I understand that her reality is limited based on the, to the point where she's decided to expand her mind. So that's not, that's not my problem. Mm -hmm. I'm here and my love for her is unconditional. um, But I have boundaries. Yeah. I'm a fucking adult. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I was just, I was just having this conversation with my family this weekend. We were at a wedding Mm -hmm. and we have this cousin and we were, she always likes to talk about how it's, it's it was endear it's endearing until it isn't anymore of, mm-hmm. of I'm so proud of you you're so brave but it's like we were together all weekend and it was every single conversation it's like let's talk about something else yeah <laughs> but she would always say like I think your grandparents would be really proud of you and I think they would be really accepting of you mm-hmm. and I'm thinking to myself I hope that that's true but there's not really any way to know but I'm, I'm saying all this because then my parents kind of came in and we're talking about um, the paths that their parents set out for them Mm -hmm. and that they felt like they just, they had to follow that. And so they, and now I'm kind of getting all kind of mixed up here, but, um,
2: I'm following. Okay,
1: good. And they're happy in their lives, but they did, they did what they did because that was the path that their parents set out for them. Right. And so, Then I'm inserting myself, and I was like, well, I was raised in a house where you also set a path for me, and I Mm -hmm. was like, go fuck yourself. Well, in a a nicer way. And and no, I love my parents there. But also, I'm not going to marry Andrew Wasserstrom. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to marry someone else (laughs) who's not Andrew Wasserstrom. (laughs) Right. Or I
2: might not ever get married, and I might still have a family and a partner or multiple partners. Like, I'm just unsubscribing Mm -hmm. to all of the shit that we, somewhere, I, I, sometimes I feel like I wake up and I'm like, when did I sign this contract? Right. Like, when did I sign this social contract? Like, who is putting all of the shit on me? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I really commend my parents, um, I commend my mom for holding it down the way she did when my dad was gone a lot, and I really commend my father for Really, just slowly breaking like the the mental slavery chains for me in a way that I never realized. Now, until I'm an adult, and uh, you know, he totally created this monster. But um, (laughs) I, I think that he knew beyond his understanding and subconsciously that ultimately the way to raise children is to empower them to be who they are and um, you know something that my brothers <laughs> I haven't even mentioned my brother. my brother was amazing uh, when I came out but also a little bit problematic in the sense that he was like, yeah okay yeah it's not a big deal. this is not a big deal. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay you're it is mm-hmm. but I appreciate that you're right. like this is fine right um, but he he said to me, you know mom and dad did what they had to do to build a life for us. And you shouldn't even worry about whether or not they're happy because it's like it's it's like it's something it's an option they didn't even realize they ever existed. Um, So I did I did appreciate him being like, you know what, if they like don't even bother because it doesn't matter and it's none of their business. Um, Yeah, he was great. But yeah, they very much. My dad uh, is an immigrant. More, more apparently that's a dirty word now. Mm. Um, and he came here from Jamaica, had to redo, I think, his senior year of high school, uh, went to Penn State, studied botany, joined the military, like all the steps to make sure that he could have money. Mm-hmm. And my mom went to Howard and then Virginia Tech and then was like a chemist. And that's how they met on they met at a on a military base. Uh, she was working Um, as a nuclear physicist uh, at Aberdeen Proving Grounds. And my dad was like a little friendly soldier and that's how they hit it off. But they have always done, you know, A plus B equals C. And I think that also it's like race related. Like they were being black in America and figuring out how to survive. So Mm -hmm. there were no luxury options, if you will. (laughs) Right? It was like follow the the supremacist track. Mm Mm-hmm um so yeah I I definitely give them a lot of leeway but I wouldn't have this again I would not have this perspective if I wasn't able to almost take my emotions out of my emotions to my family out of my coming out story because it's mine doesn't belong to them
0: Mm
1: -hmm. yeah I wish everyone could just make their own equation Mm -hmm. and not follow the a plus b and for whatever that equation is I was, ta- I just really was talking about that a lot this weekend with, yeah. I think because I come home to, you know, this very white Jewish suburb in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm like from New York City, yeah. and it's just, it's, I mean, not from, but you know, I live here now, and it's just, it's such a difference in everything, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, I followed my own, I just wonder how I just, also, there's nothing wrong with, like, people who live in the suburbs and have right. families, and, and that's, if that's what they want, mm-hmm. more power to them. I'm just curious if people were empowered to explore and do their own thing. How, How
2: many people would choose this?
1: Yeah. I, yeah.
2: I completely agree. I completely agree. And I think the power goes or the importance is placed on, I think, the the entertainment industry. Because mm-hmm. people only do what they can imagine.
1: Yes, yes, and yes, yes, yes.
2: you mm. can't, you know, be, be, you need to see diverse stories. You need to see diverse stories, and that means hiring diverse people to make your shows and hiring diverse people to tell their stories and not in a tokenized way that should be the norm. Mm-hmm. We have a social responsibility to create society's consciousness and I think that we are doing a shit job Mm
0: -hmm.
2: the end Um, and yeah imagination is the only thing that can break apart people who are united by fear
1: can you say that again
2: I said uh, (laughs) imagination is the only thing that can break people apart that are united by fear
1: whoa yeah
2: I yeah I just I don't know where that I just yeah that just came out of my butt and I don't know if that made sense but um, I,
1: I it made sense to me yeah um well yeah that's exactly what you just said is that whole the whole messaging around visibility and representation and mm-hmm. you know which actually brings me to ring of keys like a ring of keys moment oh um <laughs> do you do you have one that you want to share with folks so uh, before you jump in just for everyone who are li- who everyone who is listening who doesn't know what that is, um, from the musical Fun Home, there's a scene where medium Alice or small Allison actually, is in a diner and sees this butch lesbian walk in with a ring of keys on her belt, and it's the first time, like, her whole heart lights up, and she's like, oh my gosh, this is incredible, like, was finally seeing herself in somebody else, and, but I want to expand that a little bit, and it could be maybe falling in love for the first time with a, a, a person that you you know, wasn't on the set path for you or or just seeing yourself either in a person or in a clothing item or any anything that kind of like opens your world up a little bit more and you're like, oh, that could be me.
2: Um I Oh my gosh, I have so many ring of keys moments. I want to hear them all. Um so I would I would have to say um, it was – when I was younger, any time I saw a butch lesbian, I was very much like – like struck – my curiosity was struck in a way that was frightening. Um, Moving to New York and seeing it be – part of an experience that wasn't uh, shameful or uh, you didn't have to announce it. It's just Mm -hmm. like, yeah, these people exist. Like, welcome to New York. Mm -hmm. Um, And being in love with another queer person. um, Yeah, and having, honestly, having sex, like queer sex for the first time and being like, Oh my God, like this actually can be sex can be amazing Mm. and like transcendent and make your whole body feel aflame instead of this sort of like weird like itch that needs to be scratched and when it's scratched it's done over with, which I'm not sometimes that's what sex is and it's great, but sex for me was very much like Something that I would it's abstain from for a really, 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 really long time, mm-hmm. and then just go to a party or go to a space and be like, "Who wants to fuck?" and then get fucked, and you know, be like, "Okay, well, I'm glad I took care of that need, and now another two years, I will go by and I don't have sex,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and now it's much more than that."
1: Yeah i want to backtrack for one second Mm -hmm. when you would go into these parties and i promise you i have a reason why i'm asking you this Uh would you actually say like who wants to fuck or were you would you like pick someone and like the last
2: man i had sex with that's exactly what happened i was at a friend's birthday party and i just walked into the kitchen and i was like who wants to fuck
1: i did the same thing that's why (laughs) i'm like I like can't, I like can't I right could. now because I've never met anyone else because I've, I've always been really kind of embarrassed about mm-hmm. that because it's just, I was just like, who wants to have sex? Yeah. And this and I couldn't, was like, I will.
2: Yeah. And then
0: it happened.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I took him back to my apartment. I had sex. And then I think I was nice enough to like call him a car or something. I don't even remember his name. I do remember that he looked like Seth Rogen. Um, okay. I, it it was, I can't explain it, but I couldn't handle the chase. Mm -hmm. And I already knew, like, there was so much pageantry already happening around the fact that I was pretending that I wanted to have that sex. Yeah. That the idea of also seducing someone, I was like, fuck this. Like, no, Mm -hmm. no. I have an itch, I need to scratch, and... You know, I mean, I, occasionally I'd scratch it by making out with completely straight women, like um, in front of boys, like you know at the parties. Oh and yeah. Like, oh, oh my God, it's Sarah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I did scratch uh, occasionally, and it'd be like in my journal later, like I don't know, Sarah, that kiss, like mm, it was a joke, but mm, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, imagination. It's very it's right. very powerful. <laughs> it really really Especially is. when you're closeted. But yeah, I was very I was very I would almost say like hyper sexualized. Mm-hmm. Like all I ever wanted to do was talk about sex and like be fucked or get fucked, but I didn't Yeah. I also feel like I was able to explore kink in a way that felt safe mm-hmm. once I came out, yeah, because I do feel like it's done in a much more responsible way in the queer community. Just because we've had, we're like, we've had all these experiences of being abused, taken advantage of, having our bodies be abused, um, and you know, we're already not doing the right thing, right? So there's less shame around openly communicating about needs. And I was very, very sh- ashamed of any kink that I might want to explore, mm-hmm. slash fearful as a woman, like. I think that a lot of heteronormative kink relationships do pose a problem, um, especially with you know mask dominance and femme submission. Uh, there's already such an imbalance in society. And I was truthfully, trigger warning, scared of getting ske- sexually abused yeah. based off of my want for kink. And I think that that gets convoluted a lot in heteronormative society. Your want for kink with your acceptance for abuse. And I was very, uh, yeah, I was very frightened of it getting misconstrued and getting abused. So, yeah, that I don't remember what the original point was, but well, that was a little tangent. Yeah, no, but
1: when we were talking about... Um, the Ring like, of Keys moment. Right, right. Whoa! <laughs> we went far. <laughs> but important important things to talk about. I, yeah. I remember it actually, like when I came out, it was then I started having like a lot of sex with men Uh huh. after I came out. Yeah. Because I was like, well, I'm now that I'm out, I have to live it. And I'm, that's too scary. Like yeah. that, like I thought the coming out part was going to be the scariest, but it actually was then being a queer person and doing the queer people things. Oh yeah. And I was like, sure. well, I don't want to do that. So for I'm going to sure. keep sleeping with men. Yeah. And, um, I did it a lot and it was like, it was one of those things where I just, I, and I also think, again, like tying into gender identity and like not being comfortable with parts of my body and feeling the sense of, um, like, just like detachment from my body that I, Mm -hmm. that I was like, this isn't my body Mm -hmm. and then I was like, I don't care what I do with it. Right. And so, just like, you know, walking into parties and being like, who wants to have sex and Mm -hmm. then doing it Mm -hmm. and, or, you know, and like, backseats of cars or yeah. you know just like anywhere with anybody yeah. um i think always safely I, sometimes i'm not sure yeah uh, you know and so i think back and i'm like man i just want to like hold me and yeah. be like it's gonna be okay <laughs> yeah or uh, you know if i could
2: uh moving on that like if i could have said anything to myself during those times is that like it, normalize it like yeah, normalize yep. Yep. sexuality, normalize sex drive. It happens much sooner than we allow our egos to understand. Like I, I babysat young kids, and um, I think they were like when I started babysitting them were like I think they were like six or mm-hmm. seven.
1: Yeah,
2: and they're aware. Mm-hmm. They're touching, looking, feeling, and talking to each other, and getting hella misinformed. Yeah. Um, and that is scary to me. And if I could say anything to my younger self, I would say like, yeah, it's normal that <laughs> in middle school you thought about, hmm, or I think, yeah, I was in middle school, I was like, I think I m- might wanna be a porn star. Like, uh, And I, to me, that was the only way that you had lots of sex and it was enjoyable, mm. is by being a porn star. Mm-hmm. Because in my mind, I'm like, it's a job,
0: so you <laughs> have to be good at it. <laughs> And it has to be good, right? <laughs> um, knowing what
2: I know about the porn industry now in some some porn industry houses or whatever they're called, I know that's not the case, um, which you should pay for your porn and sex work should be legal. Um, that's a whole other podcast.
0: But <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, I I would, if I could say anything to my younger self, I would say that your sex drive is normal and your questions about, about society are not, rebellious, they're honest, and they're, like, imagine and explore. Mm-hmm. I think we give ourselves, like, this limited time to be imaginative and ask questions. And then it's like, okay, well, now you're this age, you got to stop asking questions. Mm-hmm. Or you stop going to school, you start working. Um, yeah, I would I would say it's okay, okay to do all those things. Yeah. If I could say anything to my younger self.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, norm- the normalization of lots of things, I think, mm-hmm. is so important around just identity in general and, you know, even even just, it's okay if you don't want to get married. Yeah. It's okay if you don't want to have kids. Yeah. And because I, I remember when I, growing up, my neighbors were married, a man and a woman, and they didn't have kids. And I remember asking my dad and just being like, why don't they have kids? Yeah, being so confused. Yeah, just like genuinely confused. And he's like, some couples don't want to have kids. And I was like, that's impossible. (laughs) That is impossible. You're like, no,
2: no, no. See, (laughs) I heard the equation.
1: Right, I heard the equation. (laughs) Mm -hmm. A plus B equals C, Dad. Yeah. Hello. Um, And then me now, I'm like, I don't want to have kids. Yeah. Good thing my dad told me that, that some couples don't want to have kids. And it's like, oh, okay.
2: I am... I'm a military kid so we traveled many places but I spent my formative years in Panama City, Florida. Mm. And I remember being in the car with my dad and we were uh, doing what my, it's like a little tradition that my father and I have. We like to, it's called people watching. We just like to sit and look at people uh, slash uh, drive through neighborhoods and like just look at houses and things like that. Mm -hmm. And we were on one of our little neighborhood drives and I was just talking about how everybody was, I think I was 21 or 20, and everyone was coupling and pairing off and getting married. And I remember being like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do to be taken seriously by another partner. Like, am I supposed to be getting married? I remember my dad stopped the car and he was like, no, (laughs) you don't ever have to be married. (laughs) And, Uh, like at the time I was like well like that's so harsh like you're being so dramatic but I understand he was trying to instill like a sense of wonder and independence and like saying to me you don't have to do what everyone else is doing even when it feels like you're fucking up like what you have to do is do things that at the end of the day when you die you're happy with your life which is really scary yeah
1: (laughs) it's very
2: very very scary yeah um but yeah he always reiterated that point like you ultimately have to do he's like yeah I can tell you I think that's wrong but also who cares what I think because you have to be okay with it and you know one day oh I'm gonna start crying I hate this Um, he's like one day I'm not gonna be here and you know your mom's not gonna be here he also really instills an importance of my relationship with my brother like you guys will only have each other uh, so you need to that's the one relationship you should invest in a lot and I do, I love my brother, he's amazing. Um, he lives in Austin, Texas, he's out there keeping it weird. And he has a nice. dog that I'm obsessed
1: What kind of dog? With.
2: I think that she is a mutt of some kind, um, like a lab mixed with, with something that has a pouty face. I don't know, her name is Layla, and she's a fucking diva, and I love her. She's always, every photo my brother sends, she's upset. Like just frowny face. Um, and I think it's adorable and she also sits like on her on her side mm-hmm. like on her hip um and like like a person like she'll sit at the table like a person with them looking at them like where's my plate uh yeah, she's mm-hmm. I, mean, I gotta I I don't visit him enough, but <laughs> now that
1: he's a dog, I really am <laughs> like,
2: I gotta get out there I gotta I gotta see my
1: niece um yeah, yeah that's. That is very real.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I got to see that cute dog. Not to be a stereotypical lesbian, but yeah. I'm like, you got a dog.
1: <laughs> I, I thought stereotypical lesbians were like, cats. Really? Yeah. See? I don't know. <laughs> what have, have we
2: learned today about stereotypes? They don't matter. Right. They don't matter. Um, yeah, I am a huge. I mean, if he got a cat, I'd be excited, too. I'd be like, mm. who's this? Got to see her. Got to meet her.
1: Amazing. I'm not a big cat person. <laughs> Why don't you like them? Uh I it's a good <clears throat> question. I think honestly because the cats that I've met are like mean mm. and it's like I want someone to love me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was going to say you them. just haven't
2: met a good cat. I think maybe
1: that's <laughs> probably it. So I guess I'm I guess I'm open. Yeah. <laughs> like, jury's still out. A good cat
2: is life-changing and it really depends on the owner. But I've I've lived with two cats. One of them just died. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, Iggy. And he was like, he was a person. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very social. He talked all the time. I, the, I'd open my eye and I realized he was sitting on the pillow waiting for me to wake up. And the minute I opened my eye, he'd be like, meow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I, but I also have met Horrible cat. So I've been like, oh wow. I if I could, I'd really skin you alive. <laughs> oh my god. Like oh. So and I will say that I I do think on the spectrum of like, um, you know, oh having a bad a bad dog and a bad cat are are two different things. Like a bad dog is never going to be as bad as a bad cat. Like mm-hmm. cats are like terrorists when they're bad. <laughs> Literally. And they I, I the energy that they have too when they're a bad cat, like I think it's kind of incredible how a tiny, like eight pound bad cat could terrorize like a group of people in a room locked together, right? <laughs> right. Like, oh God, especially if it has claws. Mm. Yeah.
1: So moving
0: on from cats.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm thinking now, um from and I actually can't remember which Disney movie this is from, but the um the two cats oh that were like really the Tramp yes like, we are Siamese yes like,
2: yeah that fucked me that, up for I think years that,
1: <laughs> As we were talking, I was like, I think the root is that yeah. of me hate. And just the way they terrified. do her, the way they do,
2: lady. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I remember getting emotionally distraught. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That dog, I'm getting emotional. Just I around. got some tissues. So. <laughs> I'm like, that dog didn't do anything wrong. That is so fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I got, oh, Those Lady and the Tramp uh, and The Great Mouse Detectives were movies that my parents really had to check in with me emotionally, like mm. Jess, what's
0: what's <laughs> going on?
2: Cause I, yeah, that stuff had me. I, oh God, I'll never. I used to talk. My dad would sit down with me and we would talk. I would talk through how fucked up that was with him, and be like, No, I really. Cause do people do this to mm. other people? I'm like, This is so fucked up. And he's like, Yeah, it happens in real life. I was like, Oh, I don't know if I'm ready for all that.
1: Yeah. I feel like Dumbo really fucked me up because I'm just like really close with my mom. Oh And I just was like, I don't like this movie You know either. what, I think, <laughs> I think that was
2: a movie I couldn't, I was like, oh, no, we gotta turn it off. I, and like Bambi, you've never seen it. I oh, yeah. was like, what? Yep. Uh, I said, what's, turn it off. I couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't handle it. Um, and I still have, and I'm gonna have a nightmare tonight now talking about it. I still have nightmares about the great mouth detective and the little bat that has the peg leg when he's walking to the house in the thunderstorm, I and they remember. oh my god, I'll never forget. He's walking to the house in the thunderstorm, and, and the mice are trying to hide. They're scared because they feel like somebody's coming. Is it mice or I don't know? So they're trying to hide, and from the bat, yeah, from the bat. Okay, and they're they're hiding, and they think they've locked everything up, but there's a lightning flash, and then the bat's whole face appears in the window. It is the fucking scariest thing and it has no business being in a children's movie and when I have nightmares that is the that image always flashes somewhere in the nightmare to this day and I am almost 30 That's years so old. so wild. I can't handle it. I can't handle it. I really can't. I really can't. Are you pulling up a picture?
1: <laughs>
2: because it's frightening. It's not okay and it shouldn't be in a children's movie.
1: Like how do they determine what's like kosher for kids
2: well you know? I don't think there's any real consideration in it <laughs> first of <laughs> right, all right, right um and I, I I don't know I don't know there's so many things that I, looking back as an adult and having the information I have I'm like okay whoa that's totally like in support of rape culture like mm. all the amount of kidnapping that happens to female bodies and like or the whole situation with Jasmine she's taken as a sex slave. Mm-hmm. It's a children's movie and yeah. then the only way that she gets out from Jafar is by using her body sexually to trick him. Mm.
1: Like what are we teaching our kids? Yeah, Disney Anyways. has some work to do.
2: Oh, Disney has a lot, but you know what? What's behind let's look at Disney's board like who's making all the creative decisions. Mm-hmm. Straight white men. <laughs> you got to get diversity.
1: Yeah, uh, agreed. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you about some of the amazing comedy that you do. Because ah, you, amazing. That's you really You are nice. very funny. Well, thank you. Um, so I want to know about, is it Ollivander? I already confirmed with you in there. Yes. I forgot. Um, sex Shop. Tell me about that. Okay, so I thought,
2: i first of all, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. Um, and I thought, wouldn't it be funny if, um, it, it, this sketch was written at a time in my life where I was buying like thinking about buying my first strap or like my first dildo. And I think it's so funny how much goes into like queer people and their sex toys cuz they're really vital for us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, wouldn't it be funny if we mapped buying a dildo on how you get your wand? Uh <laughs> for Hogwarts. And it was like the wand chooses you (laughs) um, and it's like a mystical experience. And so we just mapped it on that and wrote it and uh, my friend Kendall Payne, who is also a hilarious comedian, had the equipment and the director, uh, she's a director, um, know-how. And uh, my friend Shinovia at the time um, was totally down and then Peter Valenti is so wonderfully weird and truly just an alien that is gracing earth for a little bit of time. And I was like, he would, he, she, they, them, they go by all pronouns, um, would be perfect to play this sort of mystic that has this dildo shop, this magical dildo shop, which is actually shot in my apartment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that tells you (laughs) about the vibe of my house. Um, (laughs) yeah. So, and then we, we shot it and it, uh, we shot it last summer and it's resurfaced in this really wonderful way <laughs> at, the, at this festival. I had no idea we were in it until I got tagged <laughs> on Facebook and I was like, oh, and then literally two minutes later, Kendall was like, oh, hey guys, I forgot to tell you I submitted us to this <laughs> festival um, and it's been really well received. So yeah, check it out. It's, uh, where is it? It's on my Facebook somewhere. It's on my Facebook. It's all over Facebook.
1: Is it also on YouTube?
2: Uh, yes. Ollivander's uh, Dildo shop, I think, is what it's called.
1: Oh, so I said it wrong. Sorry. Wait, what did I? I said I said Ollivander's sex shop. Oh yeah, it's called that. I oh, truly okay. don't remember.
2: Ah <laughs> uh, oh gosh, I'm, that's that's really bad. But yes, you can look it up on YouTube.
1: All right, we'll we'll include a link to it. Um, so you do a lot of stand up. Mm-hmm. Where do you where do you draw your inspo?
2: Um, I draw my inspiration from real life experience um, and questions that I sort of asked myself out loud. And then I'm like, well, let's try it on the stage. Um, yeah, uh, truly everywhere. Truly everywhere. Like if I looked on my phone right now, um, I've, I was watching, what so was okay. I watching? Um, oh my gosh. I have
0: your
2: phone. Oh, you do? Oh. <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> Just sucked all the air out of this hot room um (laughs) let me see let's see the the past i also feel like if anybody saw my notepad on my phone i'd look like a lunatic
1: i love going through my old notes when i I, when i used to do stand up and the things that i would write that i thought were funny i'm (laughs) like this is literally the stupidest stupidest almost unfunny thing
2: yeah um last night i drew a inspiration for joke because my partner is white and she was talking about how much she loves scary movies. And I was like, My life is a scary movie. I'm gay, <laughs> black, and a woman in America. Um, uh, I also was talking to another person, and I wrote, White people don't want universal health care, but they want everyone else to take care of their health. Like, meaning how a lot of time brown and black bodies are used for child care. Uh, hospice care, mm-hmm. nurses, housekeepers. So we're all taking care of your health, but you are not for universal health care, even though the universe is taking care of you. Mm-hmm. So I literally draw my inspirations everywhere, everywhere. Um, yeah.
1: I, <laughs> that's, I mean, I think I'm just looking at my notes now <laughs> and it's like, I also drew inspiration from everywhere. And it's. <laughs> so stupid
2: (laughs) sometimes they're dumb too i love Um, that oh i wrote this 40 acres and a strap my life after freeing myself from mental slavery which is like when i was fantasizing what my stand up uh special would be about that's stupid (laughs) um oh this is really dumb i wrote i found a bump on my girlfriend's vagina but i'm not gonna judge where she does coke
1: dumb no that is so funny so dumb um wait that's really funny <laughs> <laughs> okay here's i'm just gonna read one because it's so stupid okay it's more inconvenient to give old people a seat on a crowded bus
0: that's it that's
1: <laughs> the- <laughs> what Sometimes. Is that?
2: Sometimes when I look back at notes, I'm like, whoa, this is really a deep look into humanity, like, who I am as a person, Um, especially when they're shorthand. I'm like, oh, some of them are almost triggering. I'm like, why did I write it like that? Like, uh, I was like... uh, the rapture of fucking kids i'm like what <laughs> what am i talking
0: about <laughs> what was i
1: thinking when i wrote that <laughs> yeah um i just found one more and this just speaks to i think the ridiculousness of where i grew up so uh-huh. for the bar and bat mitzvahs that we would go to um some of the more like lavish parties we had this you you would stick your hand in my god into (laughs) buckets of ice water yeah and numb your hand yeah and then stick your numbed hand into burning hot wax and then you would pull it out and then you would have like a wax figurine of your hand doing something stupid and i'm like what is that (sighs) And why? Bar mitzvahs
2: are wild.
1: <laughs> I know. They're
2: wild. Honestly, I would like a My Super Sweet 16 reboot, but two bar mitzvahs. Mm-hmm. Our bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs, right? Yeah. Okay.
1: And now like B mitzvahs and B'nai mitzvahs, which are trying to be more inclusive
0: okay. of gender. Yeah. Okay.
2: You yeah. know what? I will say I feel like uh, the Jewish community, uh, it, I mean, it is polarizing because there's so, like there's extreme, or not extreme, but there's like Orthodox and then, you know, other Jews I do feel like in terms of religious um, entities they have done the most in terms of being with the times and Mm -hmm. understanding the nuances of religion nuances of sexuality and that those two things can't exist
1: yeah you know that's my whole job is to work with Jewish institutions on LGBTQ inclusion
2: I did know that okay (laughs) I did know that and that's why I especially wanted to like put that in Um, (laughs) Amazing. I Oh gosh, I oh, I love the tradition, the some of the traditions of Judaism. am I saying that correctly? Yeah. Um, yeah, they're so they're so magical. I, I was just watching uh, I think last month I not just, but last month I watched not one of
1: us that documentary. Oh I've not seen it. Uh,
2: it's a documentary on Netflix about people who are leaving um, the Orthodox community specifically the one. In Brooklyn mm-hmm. and um, you know, th- we watched the documentary, there's lots of information, but something that really struck me was um, the, like the beauty of the songs that are sung as mm-hmm. a community. Yeah. Um, and even with Jews that are, are not active quote unquote or no longer Orthodox, like mm-hmm. that is real ancient spiritual shit. Yeah. Like when I heard that, I was like, whoa, that, that's magic. I think we sort of put all this ego and structure and really sort of toxic things on top of that. But like some of those songs that I heard, I'm like, they, they served a purpose that it cannot be um, confined for those people that wrote that song at the time. And you c- it's undeniable and you can feel it. And it's also universal mm-hmm. to. Yep. It's not just for Jews. Like when I heard that, I was like, "Oh my God!" That 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 has like, you know, the same cadence as, as fucking slave hymns that I learned. Mm-hmm. Like these, we preach ourselves into differences sometimes. That I'm like, they're they're not there. If you truly listen to what's happening. There there there's not a difference here. Mm-hmm. There truly isn't. There was a need for something greater. With, for people who were going through something not great, and what's birthed out of that is magic, and it belongs to everyone, not just specific people. Yeah, that's yeah. a whole nother podcast. I
0: well,
2: can uh, talk about that all day.
1: That well, so could I. That's amazing. <laughs> I, you know, I for the longest time distanced myself from Judaism mm-hmm. because I felt that there wasn't a place for me as a mm-hmm. queer person. And just recently, I was um, speaking at. Um, at a pride shabbat in princeton mm-hmm. and i was pulled into this service and i i'm always anxious being in services because i'm still trying to like reacclimate myself to the prayer part of judaism mm-hmm. and uh there's this singer songwriter named debbie friedman who um it is a, was a lesbian she's passed away mm-hmm. but i didn't know that she was lesbian until that night and i was mm-hmm. like holy shit if i would have known that this so then and then one one more layer of it was the whole service was based around her music. And so hearing her versions of these prayers, these are the ones I grew up with yeah. and I didn't know that they were hers. Right. And so I was in this room with all of these strangers, all Jews, but felt so connected to them. And it mm-hmm. was through this music and through the prayer. And I was like, holy shit, this yeah. is Judaism. This is connection. This is something greater than us. These prayers mm-hmm. uniting us. And it was really, it was a really pivotal moment for me with Judaism. Um, yeah. Yeah. Again, I just, I keep, I keep, it keeps the, the theme of listening has come up in every single episode mm-hmm. and we've only aired as of now two, mm-hmm. uh, but this is the, our seventh uh-huh. and I, I just, I can't get over it that in every single episode we are talking about if we could all just listen to each other, yeah, put your ego aside and listen to each other and right. so we are all connected. Right. It just, it, it blows my mind every time.
2: Right. And I think that, um, I have my best friend but honestly this is like where English fails me because she's so much more than just a friend um, Emily uh, she talks about how there have been a certain amount of people that have already born that um, were kind of the last people born with this like sort of otherworldly knowledge that we are all connected. Mm. And now is the time where that, uh, that, uh, mission is like activated in us to spread the word about how we're all connected and shine light on the ways that we've been divided, um, systematically. So I think that's really interesting because I just got done talking uh, to her about it. And the, the fact that it's come up seven times that I feel like that's a sacred number. Um, listening and also that's been my goal for the past two years is to slow down and listen. Mm. There are so many relationships, uh, creative partnerships that I've gotten into because I didn't listen. I wasn't listening to myself Mm -hmm. and I'm still to this day, like untangling myself from them. And there's, you know, there's a lesson in being wrong as well. Like you have to be wrong. You have to fail. Yeah. Um, but that goes back to what we've been preached, especially in America, in terms of being in a capitalist society and looking at people for profit and productivity and not as human beings. Right. We are slowly separating our soul from self and allowing this corporation, this non entity to come between us. Like, you know, feeling guilty about taking naps, mm-hmm. but not feeling guilty. But not having this that same guilt when you spend one hundred and fifty dollars on some stupid fucking face mask in the name of self care, right? Um, believing that we don't have time to cook—that's That's untrue. True. <laughs> or a garden, or have a plant. Oh my god, everybody should have a plant, just one plant.
1: How many plants do you have in your apartment?
2: Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I—I I went through a purge. Because I realized I wasn't listening and I was just bye, 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 because I was addicted to the feeling that plants gave me. Um, and I think at that time I had probably like 200.
1: Wow. Yeah.
2: And wow. then I gave, I've given away so many and I've lost, I lost so many this winter. I would say now I'm, uh, I really don't know, like 80. Do they have names? No. Only, uh, no, I had one, I have one name, um, uh, Rocco, but that's because it's the last name of my friend who gave it to me, Oh, nice. but I don't really, I don't really name them, mm-hmm. but I do definitely have like a connection with them and that number will always fluctuate because nature never belongs to you. And sometimes people come to my house and I realize, Oh, this is why this plant ended up here. Cause it actually needs to go to them. Um. Hmm. yeah that's I give really plants cool. away all the time and like cuttings so that's why I don't know how many I have because there are some that I'm propagating uh, which that's another propagation is like a whole other form of magic that I think is so fascinating um, and then I'm not including my garden I yeah. have a garden with my best friend Jophiel and then I also have my community garden plot which I keep fighting with the squirrels those little fuckers literally the other day this squirrel dug up my rosemary, like had the knowledge to get the root ball too. (laughs) Like not just like take the little twig. He he dug up the root ball and was holding it by the bottom. Like, like you carry a bag of heavy groceries. (laughs) And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I let him have it because I'd never seen anything like that. You deserve
0: it. I was like, oh my gosh, you
2: dug it up by the root ball. And you're like, this is a plant. I have to take the whole thing. I, I was so impressed by that. And yeah, I was like, he took
1: the whole root ball. Like, that is so smart.
2: Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Nature's oh. amazing.
1: I wonder where he learned that, you know?
2: I have no idea. Obviously, from years of stealing from this <laughs> right, garden, right, right, uh, and an experience. Maybe you know they got. I'm talking about them like they're people. They got a plant last year, <laughs> and they realized, oh, when the ball comes with it too, it grows again. I don't know, I don't know. But I lost a little, a little uh, rosemary seedling, but and then I put. Now I have chicken wire bulbs around to everybody, and every everyone's fine. But I realized that they were coming after my plants in a really funny way. I had this kale, and every time there would be, like, a fresh new green leaf, I'd come back, and it was it would be gone. And I was like, are these bite marks? Mm. Like, they were basically making my pot into a salad bar
0: <laughs> and, like, just
2: eating off the top, like, all the new growth. They'd just eat it way down all the way to the nub, and the little plant would, like, start to grow again, and then they eat it all the way down to the nub. And then I was like, okay, enough. I put little bulbs around it, and Cecile, who's always at the garden with me, she's like, "It's the rats, the rats!" Like she's a <laughs> rat. Kill. Oh gosh, she's a—that's a whole other podcast, but she's incredible. And Bobby knows too. He, uh, when we were on tour, I had many a phone call about the garden. And I'm actually trying to develop um, an idea for TV that's basically like Parks and Rec meets Veep meets The Office, but it's a community garden in Harlem with. Uh, black and brown people and mostly queer.
1: I would watch that. I would watch the shit out of that. Right? What I'm trying to say. Right? Yeah. I'm, yeah. Uh,
2: I don't know. I don't know if it's bad luck to like talk about your idea, but I was just writing, um, yeah, I was just writing it out. And who knows? Maybe a couple of years from now it will be real or it will help me uh, move on to another idea. But it really kind of struck like lightning. I was in the car with Bobby and, um, uh gabe and veronica and calvin which i should say their last names too so you can look them up but if you're following me you'll 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 find your way to them (laughs) they're amazing (laughs) anyways we were all in the car and i think it was gabe was like oh my god that should be a show and i was like yeah whatever but then the other night i um smoked a joint yes i'm pro weed smoked a joint me too yeah, it's great. It's
1: great. It and, is. Oh, that's a whole other podcast. That really is a whole other podcast.
2: Um, And I, it, it just struck me like lightning. It, it w- didn't even feel like I had to invent anything. It was all there. Like mm-hmm. the characters are all there. Yeah, I'm excited.
0: That's awesome. I'm excited.
1: I'm a big proponent of putting things into the universe. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of things that have come true for me, it's because I really put them out there. And I'm like, this is going to fucking happen. Right like this podcast. Right. <laughs> it is like one of those things <laughs> oh, honestly. Oh, wow, that's so
2: amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's so amazing. I realize uh I realized I got like a little um 90-day planner and I realized based on the questions that they're asking that I hadn't articulated I was kind of just like well anything Mm -hmm. so non-specific things have really been happening and I'm like oh yeah that's magic that's power and practice and thought and specificity and those really are the things that we should be teaching children
1: take notes teachers yeah um okay Uh, did you did you think of a a would you rather question
2: uh no great no worries (laughs) (laughs) um
1: Oh my gosh. And no, no presh. Our last guest also didn't have one. So it's what, like, I should just
2: ask, it's this just like a question for the audience.
1: Yeah. And then we'll answer it for each other and then, okay. and then I can, I'll ask the next guest.
2: Okay. Would you rather, um, always be able to get a full night's sleep, like a full eight hours or never, Get a full night's sleep ever again, but be able to nap whenever you wished. Uh, that. Be able to nap whenever you wished. Yeah. What would you do? I think I would get a full night's sleep. Mm-hmm. I'd get a full night's sleep.
1: Yeah. I think uh, the reason why I answered so quickly is because I was thinking that would open up my like social life. Uh-huh. Not that I have like a this major <laughs> social life in any way. But I, I plan for eight my eight hours every night. Yeah. And so if I didn't have to worry about that, then and I could just nap whenever I wanted. Then yeah. I could, you you know. could see
2: everybody's show. Yeah, right. You could go to every queer, amazing party. I'm speaking from a bitter place because I just learned about Gush, official, and then I saw all of these pictures, and it's like this fucking amazing. What is it? It's I think it is a um brown or like brown people to the front, uh, underground, queer. Party, which it's a queer party, I think maybe also slash sex party. So, listeners, educate me on that. But it's you, you know, with consent and it's in a separate area. You don't, mm-hmm. you can go to the party and not have to participate in that. Um, but it's just the most beautiful, just peop- like queer people. And they had a really great sign where they're like, it's however you identify, like, there are no policing of bodies, like, come. Mm. If you identify, um, as a as a femme come. Um, or I don't even know if it was femme. It's like if you were queer, come. Uh, and then it was seventy five dollars if you're a straight cis white male.
1: <laughs> what is it, what was it for everybody else?
2: Um, I think it was I think it started at like five sliding scale and then they have yeah. that price and then underneath the the like straight white man price, they're like, also you could go anywhere in New York, so maybe try going to one of those places. But yeah. if you absolutely have to come in, we're not gonna stop you, it's seventy five
1: dollars. I wonder if people if anyone did that. I would be so curious to know. Um,
2: yeah, I'm always curious about that. And that's not the first time that I've heard that tactic being mm. used. Um, and I think, I think I like it. Because in a way, it's like, yeah, this is how much it costs if you want to take up space. Like, this is how much space you take up in society, in life, in our lives. And yeah, that's the price. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, coming soon. Uh, parties hosted by Jess, <laughs> right?
1: Right. <laughs> I will be there um, if I'm invited. Um, of course, everyone's kidding. invited. Um, so, wait. You had mentioned earlier another podcast that sounded. I want. I want you to talk about that for <gasps> oh, a minute. Diking out. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: diking out is um, a podcast I did. Uh, I guess now it's been up for almost a year. I think, and um, I exclusively, <laughs> basically talked about plants and my like plant life. And I didn't really think it was that big of a deal. But I have to say, I i mean, I can look right now. I, I think it's been up almost a year. And to this day, without fail, about every two or three days, I get somebody who messages me about the podcast. Really? Right. That's incredible. Right? And um, yeah, like I, let me look at my Instagram right now. I just got the nicest message and all I'm doing is talking about plants and um, how they help gay people and how gay plants are, or um, queer. Uh, Can you say more about that? About how queer plants are? Yeah. So there's no, like, they're very queer in the way that uh, they reproduce. Like basically a plant will develop whatever it needs to be able to reproduce. mm mm-hmm. um, also, I, I think I went on for like 20 minutes about how orchids look like vaginas and how that speaks to the the power of the vagina mm-hmm. and in nature. Um, ferns, male ferns group together to uh, make a stronger population to then uh, reproduce and some of them will literally change um, I'm trying to think of the most PC way to talk about this without like sexualizing it, but they'll they'll change their sex organs for the sake of reproduction or both can exist. Mm. But it's not that's not what defines the plant. Yeah. If that makes any sense, which I think is hella fucking gay. Yeah. Um also the showmanship, like the the flowers and the things that are produced uh, on these plants really just remind me of like the fanfare and floweriness of of drag, of, of um, true pride. Uh, yeah, plants are so gay, they're so gay. And um, there's something else, there's another point. Uh, in terms of self-care and um, like indigenous practice, a lot of um, two-spirited people practice plant medicine. Hmm. So historically it's also a very, very gay practice. I love that. Yes, I love plants.
1: Uh, I want to tell you one quick thing and then I want to move into our last segment. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was at my friend Brian and friends Brian and Lane's house last night and Mm -hmm. they have a tree and I I also I said do your plants have names Mm -hmm. and they were like not really but this one is spruce Mm -hmm. and I was like spruce (laughs) bringstein and then everyone laughed and I felt funny. (laughs) That's all I wanted to tell you. Oh my gosh.
2: (laughs) Um, My partner loves Bruce Springsteen. Mm loves uh came to new york for his big like madison square garden concert Mm -hmm. got the jacket
1: whoa right that was bruce springsteen that was here last year oh i have no idea okay okay we're getting the nod from the producer (laughs) bobby yes (laughs) um okay so i'm gonna ask you just a series of rapid fire questions and just answer to the best of your ability okay there are no right or wrong answers except for one just kidding okay um writing or reading reading acting or singing acting dogs or cats mm. for my life right now
2: where I am cats because they're more independent got it
1: that's valid beach your <laughs> mountains
2: oh my god oh that is so hard rapid Be-
1: fire first first instinct mountains there you go biking or running running bagels or donuts bagel good that was the one <laughs> <laughs> bagels bagels bagels
2: bagels oh my god i love bagels i literally just thought of bagels lox capers cream
1: cheese onions huh. i need that oh my gosh amazing i had a bacon egg and cheese this morning okay
0: okay we're, we're getting we're getting sidetracked
1: <laughs> train or plane uh, oh, train pants or shorts shorts coke or pepsi coke night or day day favorite dessert I love
2: creme brulee, and it has to have a proper crust.
1: Mm, what makes it proper?
2: Um, one that you need like a heavy, fancy spoon, and you need that weighted spoon to get through the the crust, and it has to um, shatter, not crack.
1: Mm, wow. Where have you had one that's like met like met your expectations or exceeded?
2: Um, oh, I've had I've had many actually. I've had my uh, uncle's a chef, and he made one. And that was amazing. Uh, I think it's called D-Bar in Denver, which is this restaurant that's nothing but desserts. Mm. Um, and uh, I had one at Nobu for my like 26th birthday. And that was- Expensive. expensive
1: but it was very good. <laughs> amazing. Jessica, thanks so much for being here. Of course, I had such a great time. I know, me too. Um, any, uh, What's your social media? Oh, How can we get in touch with you if you want that? Uh,
2: embrace underscore mess um, on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm getting more active on Twitter, and I'm super, super active on Instagram, and that's where you can see um, any shows that I'm about to do. Um, or you can check out my web series, which is growingdown.co. Um, Yeah. And you can send me a DM on Instagram. I'm super responsive there.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for coming out. Hey, it's Dubs Weinblatt, your host of Thank You For Coming Out. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. Please subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps.